Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I'm Paul. I'm Ken. And tonight we are joined once again by Simon. Hello. Bonjour, Le Simon. Well, Simon, as, as usual, it's the guest privilege to uh, to pick a subject. So what are we going to talk about today? Miriam Margulies and her latest Twitter conversation. Oh, ah, it, Miriam Margoyles, <laughs> as everybody's known her for 40 years. Now she's rebranded. But now we, we've actually realised that her name is spelt Margulies. <laughs> That's the way she pronounces her own surname. So that's a, that's a fair guide as yeah. to... No, I think it's a testament to the fact that for 40 years, people have read her name as Miriam Margoyles, and it's never, ever, ever been spelt wrong. Mm. I'll just park that there. <laughs> I'm slightly worried about this because I am a big fan of Miriam Margoyles, but I do know that she... She speaks her mind, and I've got a feeling that Simon is about to open up a side of uh, Miriam that is going to make me not like her anymore. Oh, I don't think I am, actually. Oh, um, yes, because yes. she <laughs> She has recently published her autobiography, and it's called This Much Is True. I haven't read it. And um, Miriam Margulies, for people who don't know, is a national treasure for two countries because she was... <clears throat> English and is now Australian. She also represented Cambridge in the first series of University Challenge, which made her possibly the first person to say fuck on live television. Because <laughs> she, she got a, a question wrong and said, oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me. My abiding memory of my appearance on University Challenge was I got an answer wrong. And in my rage and frustration... I let fly with the expletive that begins with F for Freddy, and there it is in te- on television. I mean, now I believe it's been lost because uh, it's been wiped. But it wasn't Ken Tynan who said it first. It was me. She's been an Australian citizen since uh, 2003, and she has been with her partner, Heather Sutherland, since 1968. But the preamble to all of this predates all of that. <laughs> And it does date back to her time at Cambridge, where she was involved with the Footlight Society, who produced a lot of famous comedians. Um, Monty Python had their, their basis there. And she was there at the same time as John Cleese, Graham Chapman, Bill Oddie, Tim Brooke Taylor, Tony Hendra and Humphrey Barclay, all of whom she described as utter shit. <laughs> <sighs> My problem is she's now 80. Yes. And has waited this long. I mean, bear in mind, she, she, this is not somebody who is a... Uh, I don't think it would ever be be fair to describe Million Margulies as a wilting flower. No. She's waited till now to describe these people as little... Uh, you know, whatever it's shit. So, uh, it, it's, and it's very recently. It's 2021. It was it's sort of very recently. And uh, the people she's accused have largely been surprised by this. Um, uh, and apologise for it and... No. One person apparently apologised for, the, for their behaviour, who was Tim Brooke Taylor before he died. The only other person who has commented on it is Bill Oddie, who said that he appreciated that the difficulty that she was having as a 
result of being a woman and trying to get a handle into the uh, the Footlights Club, which was seen as a all-boys club at the time, and that he was arguing her corner and saying that women should be involved. His response to this is, I hope you didn't think I was a shit because I was working for you and I, would, I was arguing the, the case for you. Now, there's an awful lot of people who've been saying, Bill Oddie is lovely and he's done an awful lot for charity, so I don't believe that he was that bad. My argument is that both points of view are likely to be right. Mm. Yes, yeah. In that, you've got a group of people who are very establishment and quite bombastic. So, John Cleese, Graham Chapman, who probably did say an awful lot of misogynistic and chauvinistic things that weren't challenged immediately by people who may have other views because there was a lot of bombastic and egotistical behaviour. So it may very well be that Bill Oddie was working away in the background to get things done and to argue for women's inclusion. But if he wasn't challenging the comments that were made within earshot of the people that they were being made to, he will be grouped in with the people who were making the comments and not challenging it. And this is the whole point that I was um, bringing this up for. It comes back to allies and it's absolutely lovely to be doing things behind the scenes. But if you are not facing up to bigotry when you hear it and when you see it, the people who see you not facing up to that can't help but think you are tacitly approving it. Yeah, it's it's very easy to, to say after the event hmm. I, you know I, I hope you don't think I was like that and, and it is it's very very possible that he was one of the people who sat there at the time thinking well this isn't right the things that they're saying aren't right but if he didn't say anything at the time for whatever reason and obviously it was a, it won't have been a, a particularly friendly or a particular a, an environment where he, he felt safe and he had his own career his own aspirations to think of and if he had have stepped in and said to, for example, John Cleese, hold on, you've been out of order here, would that have damaged him? But then does that mean that he's less of an ally because he just stood back and watched them? And I think the answer is yes. <laughs> Apart from the fact that it's 50 years in the past, I'm not... Bear in mind, Miriam Margulies, she's not exactly been a background character over the past 50 years. She's been in a lot of things and it's been a comfortably main event when she's been in something she's not just been a backgroundy she was not a bit part in Blackadder she was front and center in that whatever she was in yeah but that was 25 years after the event she was described oh well uh, um not even 25 years sort of uh, 10 years really yeah you, you no, sort of, she we're, we're talking about Things that happened while she, while she was a student in the early 60s and then Blackadder was late 80s. Well, is it the early 60s and yes. the late 60s? Early 60s, early 60s, right. 60s. Okay, okay. But she's not done badly for herself. And she certainly, I, I would suggest, she's doing quite well for herself now as one of those people who has been in the public eye for a long time and is now regarded very fondly. So she's not exactly done badly for herself. Uh, there, are, there are men who have complained. Tony Robinson, his Desert Island disappearance was awkward, uh, to say the least. I, I did not find that a comfortable listen. But that's a man who's done very well for himself. So just because it's... So a, why wasn't it a comfortable listen? It was very much a 
I should have been more recognized than the people I was surrounded by sort of thing. And Miriam Margulies, she's never really gone away. She's always been there in the background. She, she's had a, a reasonably successful career. She's very well regarded and, and rightly so. I don't see that she has been exactly downtrodden or, or undermined as a person because she's a woman or a lesbian or whatever. Maybe whatever happened in the past. I mean, I've had people in my past, you know, Paul might attest to this. Uh, I have been treated less than well in my past. I don't look back. This is 20 years in my past. I, I don't look back on it and think, I can't stand you people for what you did to me in my past. It was in the past and it was like, it was at the time and it was, that was the scenario then. I really couldn't give a toss about it now. It's just sort of, yeah, time passes. It's not held me back. And, you know, people behave in a certain way at a certain time that perhaps later on they regret, but don't have the chance or the opportunity or it never comes up to apologise for. And perhaps they never even recognise the fact that their behaviour had an impact on somebody. To come out at sort of 80 years old and say, well, when, you know, 40 years ago, somebody behaved quite badly. Maybe they didn't even know. I don't know. We not, None of us were there at the time. But to to take one person's story, this is this is my beef with the world at large. To take one person's story as verbatim, this is how it happened. It was awful, and all these other people were awful to me. And then take that as verbatim and not question it and say, "Well, you, you good grief, woman! Yes, you were right." I'm not denying that it happened. I'm just not saying that there's not another side to the story where maybe there was just a bit of antagonism on both sides. But if you if you were now writing your autobiography, would you not mention... I mean, fair enough, you know, it, the, the people who have treated you badly in the past, it's part of your life and it has in some way formed who you have become. Mm. Whether, whether that's, it's held me back and I've been downtrodden or... I just decided to say, well, fuck them. I'm going to do what I want. But the, the people that in that reference, the the people or persons I'm talking about, we, we both know who they are. Mm. I would not reference them in my autobiography because it's just, it was a period where it was unfortunate. And, <laughs> and I, I, I have to be honest, I'm not entirely sure why it happened. It's not held me back and it's not a major thing. There are other people that I would happily nail to the wall <laughs> with a machine pistol, but but the people that are, that that were they were re- I mean it was a real it was twenty years in the past now, and it was really quite uncomfortable and awful, and, and I ended up quite lonely as a result. But it's all forgotten, and to drag it up, there's, there's absolutely no good, particularly the people involved because. Uh, you know, there's one in particular who apologises to this day for it. Every every time they have a drink, they, they apologise for it. And it's long, long forgotten because it's just one of those things in those situations and circumstances. And it's all forgiven completely. I'm not sure, though, in this, in the circumstances of this episode, that only one person has yeah. apologised. But the problem that I've got with it is that it's, as with a lot of these celebrity stories... It's one person's version of events. Now, yes, we've said that Tim Brooke Taylor's come back and he, he's, he's before he died, he's, 
he said, you know, he was sorry and this, that and the other. The other people involved might not have been aware that their behaviour had had that impact until all this w- this came out. Now, because it's people, is it people like John Cleese and Michael Palin? And it was, they were fairly highbrow people, I, I think, that have been mentioned in this claim. Yeah, uh, John Cleese, uh, Graham Chapman, Humphrey Barclay, people like that. Mm. Now, Bill Oddie has said that he recognised there was a problem at the time and he was campaigning behind the scenes for women's inclusion in the Footlights Club. So he recognised that there was an issue. But if he, if he didn't say anything to address it within her earshot, my point is that she will be thinking of him in exactly the same light as the other people who were just nodding and agreeing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not excusing or defending it, but we're talking 50 years in the past and... Uh, the stuff that we've all done in the past that is is not exactly laudable, and anybody that says that they haven't, you're a fucking liar, mate. <laughs> and we've hurt people in the past. Uh, you know, this Paul, me, this people that me and you went to school with, and uh, our behaviour was not exactly laudable. The yeah, long term, if, if they wrote an autobiography, I'm, and we turned up, and we turned it, up, yeah. and I would not be surprised, and it would not be an unfair accusation. If that happened, but it's, Bill Oddie's point point now is that it is an unfair accusation because he was working away in the background to get things changed. But again, you you're talking about rewriting a history um, where you've got one person's version of events, version and another person's events fifty years ago. Now, when you're eighty years old. You're not going to give a shit. I'm 43 years old and I don't give a shit. So 80 years old, you're really not going to be bothered which way the minigun is firing. It's going to strafe the whole fucking lot and not care. That doesn't make it wrong. No, I'm not saying that it makes it right or wrong. All I'm saying is you're you're looking at life through a 50-year lens. Life was very different in the early 70s, early 60s. You know, 50, 60 years ago in the past, and then to say, well, that's my version of events, and he, he said, well, that's my version of events, and somebody else said, well, that's my version of events, but one person's version is like, well, there's no smoke without fire. That's my beef. But that's history. At whatever point, three different people could describe events from a year ago, and they would be different descriptions. But what I'm saying is the person who is the victim is always the one who is believed. Now, let's take, for an example, Prince but, Andrew. But my no, 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 no. Prince Andrew, okay? Immediately, automatically, everybody's believed this woman. His name I can't remember. Gee, I'm somebody. Over everybody's automatically believed her. She must be right. God, God, God. Yes, you can see that a mile off. None of us were there. None of us saw or witnessed the events. None of us saw what went on. Yet automatically you believe the victim. Now that is my beef with the world at large. There are two sides to every story. There's a much bigger picture to events. But but we should, surely, because there's been such a, a history. And when, if you're talking about things like sexual assault and stuff, there's been a really long history of people being afraid to come out uh, and say that they've been they've been raped or whatever because they didn't think they would believe, and the Saint Andrew, the Prince, Prince Andrew, horrendous uh, slip. <laughs> 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 
Prince Andrew is... And you yes. never know, horrendous slip of the tongue may end up being his defence. <laughs> but, but the, you know, there's a photo of him at the at a party yeah. with this with girl. With his arm and, around it. Yeah, but, and, but bear he in said, mind. He said, no, I've never met her. I've no idea who she is. I'm definitely, I absolutely swear that I've never met her. Well, I think Which what he actually said was he, he, doesn't, he doesn't remember. But to be <laughs> fair, in fairness, I will say this in fairness. I went out with your husband last week. There's a picture on my phone of me hugging a girl. I have no idea who she is. I have no idea. I don't remember meeting her at all. She was over 16, wasn't she? Yeah. I think so, yeah. No, she was definitely over 16. That, that, that was a, that was a <laughs> yeah. joke, boys and girls. A joke, joke. I don't know who she was. I don't remember mm. meeting her at all. Yeah. It does happen. Um... We were not there in the Prince Andrew case. We were not there in any of these allegation cases. And for for us as the public to judge on these celebrity cases is so wrong because we don't know. We weren't there. For us to judge on any case of any kind that we weren't witness to is wrong. We were not there. So you don't think we should have opinions? No, that's not what I said. I said we do, we should not be there as judge on a case where any case where we were not there. It, we're not there as judge. All right, okay. Yeah, he's obviously guilty. Yes, nonce, fucking nonce. We weren't there. We don't know. So we shouldn't have opinions. No, that's not what I said. But everybody is automatically. You look on Twitter, nonce. That's an opinion. It's an opinion, but it might not be. It's almost certainly unfair because we don't know. Look online, anybody, the skew is automatically towards the person who is accused. Yeah. And, and it's unfair. None of us were there. So just because somebody's come out and said, you look at anything on Twitter, Twitter is the most hateful echo chamber of all time. Anyway, if I went online and said, you know, I was sexually assaulted by a man at Chorley Theatre, he fingered my ass. If I, you know, and said, you know, if you, you will do this part or I will tell everyone that you are, etc., etc. It never happened. Nothing ever happened while I was at Chorley Theatre. <laughs> but if I said that, they would automatically believe me. It's just the way the world works. And do you not think that's a reaction to an automatic lack of belief in accusations for the preceding several Couldn't give a toss. Could not give a toss. That is not the way the judicial system works in Great Britain. But we're not talking about the judicial system. We're talking about people's opinions. I couldn't give a toss about people's... I don't care about people's opinions. The only thing that matters is the judicial system. If... Somebody is guilty, they are guilty. If the court of law, if they, if the system finds them guilty through a system of evidence, that is all that matters. The people's opinion does not matter because if, if the world worked on people's opinion, we would all be dead. Because everybody in the world that uses social media is a complete saint and everybody <laughs> that has ever been accused of anything is guilty of sin and should be hung by the neck until dead. That is how the world works. If we work that way, then all the Mary Shites and all the Rita Facebooks in the world would be the saints and everybody like you and me will be dead. We, we also have to be <clears throat> slightly 
Um, there is something called middle ground. <laughs> there is middle ground, but Facebook and Twitter have forgotten what middle ground is. So it, it is either all or nothing. There are no shades of grey anymore. Mm. You're either guilty as sin or innocent as fuck. And, and that's it. And But, I mean, you're vacillating between talking about social media and talking about the ju- judicial system. That's my point. There's no difference at the Now there is no difference online. You are either, you know, somebody says, I'm a victim. Everybody piles up. Oh my goodness me, that's terrible. Awful. This person is guilty. This is this terrible person. It, look at the, the system we had with um, Alec Baldwin the other week, where he, uh, he shot an actress dead on set. It wasn't his fault. But immediately, the immediate initial pylon was Alec Baldwin was this murder. But it, was, it wasn't his fault. And, yeah, and before, that's, before the facts before came the out. Before yeah, the facts yeah, the came reaction, out. Yeah. But immediately, you know, Alec Baldwin was this guilty, murdering motherfucker. Well, that's not, that's not the facts. And it's if you listen to, if, if, we, if we gauge public opinion as the facts, then the knee jerk is that everybody immediately is going to be guilty as fucking sin. And it's not, that's not the way to run the world. So we so, shouldn't listen to public opinions to run the world. No, definitely so not. Like referendums and things. <laughs> that is a different thing. A referendum is a mandate is from the people that you have given to the people. What do you want? They it's say, still public opinion. No, that is a mandated public opinion. That is not a bloody social media opinion. If you're going to give the public an opinion by law, oops, that's very unfortunate. And that... The, the, well, the, except a referendum isn't by law. It isn't legally valid. Is yes, it? it is. That's what a referendum is. That's why we don't have them very often. We, we've had one in 2014 about AV, and we've had one in 2016 about Brexit, and neither of them have gone the way that they... The people who called the referendum wanted. Oh, oh, oh in 20, uh, what are we, 2014 about Scottish independence. That didn't go the way the people that asked the referendum wanted either. This is why we don't have referendums very often. If you ask the public for a referendum on something, they are going to vote exactly the opposite way that you want them to vote. That's why we don't ask the public. Would you like a million pounds each or would you like a tax rise that's going to make sure that, that the stability of the country will continue for the next 50 years? I think we'll vote for a million pounds each, thank you very much. Knowing full well it'll bankrupt the country. But it doesn't matter because that's my best interest best. That's why you don't ask public opinion. Anyway, uh, no, 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 let me finish. Bringing it back to Miriam Margulies. <laughs> I think we do we do have to be slightly careful about um saying that well she's done all right for herself what does it matter what happened to her when she was at university uh, especially as three middle-aged fairly privileged white guys do not use that <laughs> I, I I think I, I don't think we're in a position to to say but absolutely and it's not the way mental health works no and and She's she's writing her autobiography now. She could have she could have written it in the seventies, the eighties. You know, as you say, she's been around for hundreds of years and, and well known. <laughs> and, and well known. I think she sort of had a um, people started to like her more since she became. Although she's, I don't, she's never been really in the closet, has she? But she she's been more publicly lesbian, and she's you know she's been doing things. So I think 
she's uh, she's gained a lot of followers uh, and fans in the recent time, which is why she's now, and presumably because it's it's easier to sit down and write an autobiography than go and make a film because she she's notoriously can't be asked with with stuff. But um, but yeah, I I think it's difficult because as you say, it's really hard for anyone to turn around and say, well, that's not really what happened 50, 60 years ago, Miriam. But at the same time, it's not that hard to believe that that was what happened, is it? Because... Uh, Absolutely, no. Uh, (laughs) In fairness, no, it's not difficult to believe that that is at the time. But Hmm. it's also not difficult to believe that over the past 50, 60 years, the feelings and attitudes of the people involved have not changed. They've, goodness me, when we were Apart from John Cleese, who quite clearly is. Oh, but still. yeah, but John Cleese is again. John Cleese is what is he's got? He's in his eighties, late seventies, eighties now. When if if we get to that age, we're not going to give a shit either, and. Oh, yeah. Well, John Cleese has never, clearly never been that man anyway. It's not like he's he's suddenly developed this persona where he doesn't give a shit. He's clearly never been that way. But I, I don't equate that, you know, uh, people's behaviour at university or, or college or when they were in an amateur dramatics group when they were in their 20s equates to how they feel or how they would act in their 70s, 50 years. I just do not hold with that because I feel completely different now in my 40s than I did in my my late teens. But that's absolutely Simon's point, which was that they have also had 50, 60 years to come out and say, what I did then was wrong. And here is, you know, this is my attitude now. And I'm really sorry. Or whether it's I'm really sorry or whatever, or just... This is what I think now. And, but, they but so have I. And I have not. There's been people well, that I... As bad. I, I <laughs> I'm not exactly proud of the fact, but there, there's, I mean, there's, there's um, peer pressure when, you know, you're, you're sort of 13, 14, 15, you sort of behave in a way that's not... It, it, it was unforgivable. It was. And uh, now I wish I could meet that person and say that I was, uh, that was sorry. I don't know where they are. I don't know what life they'll lead. And I'm not really sure what difference it would make to their life if I did say that. But But that uh, isn't this situation because... But it is the same situation. No, it it isn't. She has flagged this up as something that is important to her on a very public forum. So the people that she is talking about who are still alive are aware of what she has been saying. You've got Graham Chapman, who obviously can't respond because he's dead. Hmm. You've got John Cleese, who must be aware of what has been said and has chosen not to respond. You have got Bill Oddie, who has basically said, you're wrong. There's no apology in there at all. I get you, but I've had people in my past who have done things to me. They've hurt a lot. They've done them for their own reasons. My version of their actions might be completely different to their version of their actions. They're just two different viewpoints. The difference in this case is that you have got people who are high profile, who are giving their version of events, and immediately the public will pick a side. Now, I'm not a public figure. Anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, but when I was a public figure, people would still have picked whoever was against me. Uh, that that would have been the truth. If I tell my friends a version of events, my friends are probably going to believe my version of events. They're not going to believe, or, or they're not going to entertain the fact that there might be the other side of events. They might never hear them. So automatically, my version of events becomes the truth. It's my version of the truth. As far as I'm concerned, it is the truth. It's not necessarily the whole truth. It's no different from the Miriam Margulies thing. The only difference being is that these are high-profile people. That's all. With any case that is put forward in the media, that is all I will say. We automatically believe the victim. Because she's a national treasure. (laughs) She's all right. <laughs> Permission to strike Ken off the panel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a nine bomb not. <laughs> right. So we have, uh, as per usual, veered <laughs> wildly from the original subject. Although I think we've covered quite a few, uh, quite a few bits. So I think it's time to uh, get the, and and I think as we've alluded to before, I'm not sure how lesbians feel about the feather boas, but let's... uh, let's, Yeah, fuck them. Let's get the feather boas out. Simon. I think this is something that's quite important, to be perfectly honest. Not specifically the Miriam Margulies thing, although I think Miriam Margulies, as a national treasure, is an important person. But I I think the whole concept of historic accusations and different points of view and whether historic accusations are believed, and I think they should be... um, Mm. It automatically validates the person who's accusing rather than a balanced opinion. But go on. Why? The way you've just put that is that whoever is accusing should be believed and and not immediately. Yes, if somebody's putting forward, forward an accusation, they should be believed until there is proof that they're not. But that could be anything. Yes, and the the contrary point of view is what kept Jimmy Savile abusing people for decades. Yes, that's a point of view, but... Did anybody actively deny it? Did, did anybody, nobody was there saying it's not going on. Um, it's just that nobody came forward until the bloody fucker was dead. On the back of that, you have things like, oh, I don't, Dave Lee Travis actively, actively, a time and time again proved innocent and still shredded to fucking bits because his anonymous accusers kept coming forward and like, oh, yes, ah, oh, yes. This is not the Maria Margulies situation at all. This is completely different. But once you jump on that bandwagon, you are anonymous. You can say whatever you like. You're safe. The but without any evidence whatsoever, you can say, that person accused me, that person abused me, that person said this, that person did that. You are anonymous. That person is tarnished and they're fucked without any proof whatsoever. That's my beef. But do you not think that that is reaction to the Seville situation, particularly with it, with people from that generation? Because... Couldn't give a toss. It doesn't alter the fact that whether the Seville case, whether that's opened the floodgates or not, it doesn't mean that, ah, well... Fair game, boys. Let's uh, let's let rip. And that's what's happened. I mean, I'll take the uh, Mickey, what's his bloody Noel Clark. I do not believe that all of a sudden they found out of thin air 20 people all at once 
just on the cusp of the fact where he's about to be given a lifetime achievement award and all of a sudden, all his entire history, nobody's come forward. They just, on the cusp of him giving a, a major award, all of a sudden they found these people. Fuck off. No way. Was that, well, that not, though, because the individual girls thought, well, if I say anything, then that's my career gone. Whereas when they knew they were going to be put together with 20 other girls who the same thing had happened to, they felt a little bit... I, I just... Bit but there's there's other people that came involved in, in that case. There's one gay man in particular who he came forward and he, you know, he accused Noel Clark of being homophobic. Piss off, mate. There's no way. I don't think there's any of us around this table could look at uh, Noel Clark and say, you're homophobic. There's just not a bloody chance. The, the reason you were fired, mate, is because you were a dick and you weren't <laughs> suitable for the job. It was nothing to do with the fact that you were gay. And it was just this hopping on the bandwagon. Oh, well, yeah, this person, this person, this person. I, I hate that culture. If somebody comes forward and blames somebody for something and says, look, that person has been inappropriate. It's not a case of sweep that under the car. It just doesn't go on. And it's not gone on for a long time. A long time. Certainly during... The last time I worked in an office was in 2004. And there was a case in that office of somebody being inappropriate. They were fired. This wasn't a sort of a six of one, half a dozen of the other. This was a sort of vague sexual comment. Fired. 2004, we are a long way off Miriam Margulies, but this is not <laughs> something that has been swept under the, the carpet for a while and that people can't say things because they're going to be fired. This is, without shadow of a doubt, a celebrity culture of victim bandwagon hop. There we go. And if you want to look at the the very worst uh, case scenario for polarization is this fucking Megan Sparkle girl who is, uh, you know, she's inveigled her way into the royal family, split it wide open, and now it's sort like of... By inveigled, you mean married the man she was <laughs> in love with. So, yeah, inveigled, that's the word. And uh, now, you know, it's you are either team Megan or, or team Queen. Deep split, all because of one person. Sometimes one person is who highlights an entire si- uh, problems in an entire system. I agree, but why is the entire re- then? But automatically now, the picture being spun in. Well, the rest of them must be covering up for it. Really, is that really the truth? Is that really what's going on, or is it maybe one person's disgruntled? And, and and there's no differential now. There's no differential between one person being disgruntled and the rest of the people must be covering up for it. That's not how life works. That's are not we, how real life works. Are we now talking about racism in the royal family? Because I have no problem with them. With no, that we're not talking about that. This is so, nothing to do with racism. This is to do with one person being ostracised and the rest of the because people... Because of the colour of their skin. no. Just because one person makes a complaint doesn't mean that the rest of the people must be covering up for this. It it might be that just one person has had a bad experience. It's like when somebody gets fired from a job. Of that's terrible firm to work for. I'd never work for. I wouldn't work. The boss is a cunt. Everybody that works is an asshole. And they they all look at him and think, well, yeah, she was a lazy bitch and she never did a bloody stroke and she phoned in sick three days a week. There's two sides to every story. 
but sometimes that side is that the institution is flawed. Yeah. Do you, do you do you honestly believe that the Cambridge Footlight Society in the early nineteen sixties, which did not allow women in, no, horribly misogynistic. I don't. But by the same token, I don't agree that in the intervening 50, 60 years, attitudes have not changed. The people are that but are she's being. She's not talking about attitudes since then. She's talking about attitudes at the time. But that's not what I'm saying. That. Well, so, right, okay, attitudes at the time, 80% of the people in the country smoked cigarettes. Yeah. They don't anymore. Why do people not smoke cigarettes anymore? That must be the, the antis. They must hate everyone that smokes. It's not how the system works. And it's also not what she was saying. She was saying that that was the attitude at the time. And in the intervening time, no matter how much opportunity they've had, only one of the people involved has apologised. But neither have I. So what's the difference? The difference is they're public figures. I'm not. But it's no different. Next week. Well, perhaps you could use this as an opportunity to start apologising to people. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be a very, very long podcast. (laughs) Uh, Actually, no, it would be a very short comment. Most of the people in my past that I've been an arsehole to fucking deserved it. You know who you are, and I would like you all to burn in a big fire. (laughs) Uh, some of the the people at school, and it's a very very small handful at school. I'm so sorry. Uh, you you were very innocent people. You don't deserve it. Everyone's in school. You were a dick, and I don't regret one single second. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think we I think we should maybe wrap it up. Okay. We've got we've got the uh, apologies on record where where appropriate. <laughs> Uh, and we're also safely into the the longest episode <laughs> that we've ever had. I, I, I'm assuming that a large proportion of this uh, is going to be cut out. Uh, although, actually, no, I don't think any of us have said anything. <laughs> Let's see if we can um, bring a touch of the screen to the end. Are we not feathering or not? Oh, yeah, we were. Because we, we were, were, and then we, we were, Ken yes. started ranting yeah. again. Let's try, let's try it once again. Four. Four for Simon. Everyone that I would like to die is five out of five. Um, the, uh, I don't know, the, that's a very difficult subject for me to rate. I honestly don't know how to rate this because um, I, I do think there's a, a culture of six or one and half a dozen, a dozen of the other. Um, so you're saying it's either five or one. <laughs> Got to be honest, I'm really struggling with this one. I'm going to say three purely because I I honestly do not know. I'm not saying that everybody that makes an accusation is a liar. Uh, I am saying that there's always a 50-50 scenario. And and I'm going to give it a four. (laughs) Uh, I think going back to the original... (laughs) Hate crying. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to the original... 50 years' time when you're writing your autobiography. (laughs) I would like to state on record. <laughs> this was one of the one of the many hate crimes performed yet. No, it it's something that obviously happened to her and whether it was, you know, as bad as she said it was, as Ken says, there's always two sides of the story, but she remembers it in a certain way and it has affected her for a long time and now she feels <clears throat> that she can speak up about it. And none of the people who she has accused of, apart from one person who 
made a deathbed apology, have taken the opportunity to rectify the situation. The end. Let's do a screening queens. Oh, yes, because this episode's not gone on long enough. What the fucking hell are we watching? Oh, is it mine? Well, if you've got anything. Yes, I, I, I do. Right. Excellent, then. Um, she is a regular in a marvellous set of murder mysteries set in the 1920s called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. It's Australian because she lives in Australia. Um, and they're, they're entertaining, cosy murder mysteries set in 1920s Australia. On? Australian telly. <laughs> and on DVD is the way I watch them. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I did not know that. Oh, they're, they're quite fun. They've they've done a, a sort of nineteen sixties update with one of uh, one of the regulars was one of the lead actors in Outland. Oh. yeah, the actor who played Max in Outland is uh, one of the regulars in the new Miss Fisher mysteries. And it's bec- apparently it's because they wanted to keep the the franchise going, but the nineteen twenties team were too busy making a movie of it to, oh, right. to make more episodes. But it, it's fun. Excellent. Any any way to tenuously put warp driving? I think we better wrap it up. We're rapidly moving uh, towards uh, <laughs> with a running Christmas. time of nearly an hour. <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah. thought that was going to be quite quick. <laughs> yeah. It would have been if Ken wasn't here. <laughs> of course, I will. Thank you, Simon. As always, it's uh, always fun and entertaining. Thank you, Ken. Oh yes, yeah, so take your tongue out of your cheek. <laughs> Thank you, Ken, for, for being here. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you next week. Ta-ta. Bye. Bye now. Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.